Terry Thomas Cody. And we are, are the, the Skull Crawlers. Yeah, we got First it. time. <laughs> and we ask you to suspend this belief, the show where we invite you to open your mind and expand your horizons as we discuss the paranormal, taboo, and otherwise mysterious occurrences in our universe. In tonight's episode, we're going to diverge a bit and talk about something that's interesting to us as filmmakers, and that's cursed movie productions. Uh, yeah, because it happens all the time. It all happened time. to us. So happened to us. Happens in popular media. Happens, you know. Alec Baldwin can tell you a thing or two about cursed production. Yikes! <laughs> hey, whoa, Warren! <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Wow. All right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had that one loaded all week. I was oh, thinking about it. Oh, you had it loaded, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Alec Ball, oh, we can tell much, you a thing or two about things that are loaded, huh? You know that he is doing interviews now with, like, uh, he, like, interviewed. Oh, God. Why can't. No. No. I forgot his name. He's not. He's also not a great guy. Mm. I feel like I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. I want to say P.B. Herman, but P.B. Herman is sweet. He just, you know, he just. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah he was just, uh, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. He stumbled <laughs> into the wrong movie theater. Well, technically, right well, he place. Right, movie right? he was you in the right do, place. You just can't do it there. <laughs> it's not allowed for some reason. Oh, man. Floors are sticky for a different reason there. <laughs> Yikes. Woody Allen, that's right. There it is. There it is, Woody yeah. Allen. I knew it would show up, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was his way of being like, I'm not so bad when compared to this guy. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> now it's just, now it's just two bad guys interviewing yeah. each other. Like, no, dude. <laughs> well, all right. So, Cursed Movie Productions, we have quite a show for you guys today. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So, what do you want to start off with? Just uh, come in hot? Just come in hot. You want to catch up hot. on anything? You watch any good shows, movies, anything like that? Uh, not really. Like, by the time this comes out, She-Hulk has come out. Res Dogs is still out. I'm still behind oh, yeah. the episode. Uh, Res Dogs, excellent, guys. Yeah. We, uh, Sarah and I watch the newest episode. With, I think it's episode four? four. Yeah, four. Yeah. yeah, and it is very emotional, very good. It... It accurately depicts what happens when a loved one dies in native culture. Mm. And it was very emotional because it's just like all the family, friends getting together in one big house and just yeah. loving on each other, out. just busting each other's chops. Yeah. It's it's good. It's very, very good storytelling. Um, the one thing I will say is mm. I didn't expect the, was it Dogface? The, oh, you didn't? The, the Ocean Spray guy? I didn't expect him to be like that good of an actor. Oh, really? Because I only saw the third episode where like that's the first time you see him. Yeah. I was like, okay, this guy is like yeah, charming. Dude. Like, he has like chops. And, yeah. yeah. He's tight, man. Yeah. So Nathan Apodaca, shout out to you, Dogface. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's cool seeing you go from TikTok star to so being, being a res dog. Yeah. Because, man, that's freaking rad. Yeah. So come on the show, tell some stories, <laughs> <laughs> please. Nice, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everybody tag him in this, yeah, please, please do. So yeah, uh, I'm coming in hot, and I'm just gonna start from the top. All right, are you ready well, for this? Yeah. Well, we're, what are we talking about? You want to preface this? Don't read my script. I'm not. I'm not. It. I'm not gonna preface this, but I will say uh, there is the death of a child in this one. So okay, if okay. that triggers you, 
Uh, you might want to skip this one. Dominique Dunn was born on November 23, 1959 in Santa Monica, California. The youngest child of producer, screenwriter, novelist, Dominic Dunn, she would eventually find herself on the fast track to becoming another successful Hollywood type within the Dunn family. Her oldest brother was also an actor, as well as producer and director. She also had aunts and uncles in the business. As Dominic's, Dominique's status in the Hollywood acting scene began to escalate, she did find attention to her as an available young bachelorette. She would soon attract the eyes of a prominent young chef at the ritzy Ma Mason, John Thomas Sweeney. The two would soon become a couple, but trouble for Dominique began almost immediately. Sweeney was an abusive cad, both emotionally and physically. Following the advice of loved ones around her, Dominique would eventually break off her relationship with Sweeney, finding relief that he was finally out of her life. Rumors say Dominique would often show up to set during this time with bruises, black eyes, and obviously sleep-deprived. But on the evening of October 30th, 1982, while at her home on 8723 Wrangley Drive... <laughs> I, was in it, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> 1982, while... <laughs> Gosh, <dang> it. <laughs> but on the evening of October 30th, 1982, while at her home on 8723 Wrangley Drive, Dominique would find herself in a brutal argument with her former boyfriend, Dominique, uh, excuse me, while rehearsing a scene from V with fellow actor David Packer. Sweeney showed up and wanted to discuss the moving back in with her, but Dominique would have nothing to do with that. Their argument would spill out into the driveway, where Sweeney grabbed her forcibly by the throat until she fell to the ground. The police would eventually were eventually called to the scene. Upon her upon his arrest, Sweeney would exclaim, "I killed my girlfriend!" But little did he know that, first of all, she was no longer his girlfriend. Secondly, she was not dead. The actress was only unconscious, but was quickly whisked to the Cedar sinai Medical Center emergency room where she was stabilized, but remained in a coma for five days. Five days, go. At around 11 a.m. on November 4th, 1982, Dominique's heart would stop beating. That was It was widely held that her family pulled the plug on her life support equipment, but doctors maintained that she never gained consciousness and simply died. Dominique Dunn was only 22 years old. Dominique Dunn was the first victim of the Cursed Poltergeist series. Oh, shoot. So coming in hot, uh, murder. Murder. Of passion. Or what is that? And abuse. Mainly just, this guy sucked. <laughs> He's just a real murderer. Mainly abuse, yeah. <laughs> he was a real piece of, piece of work. Um, a little extra info there, a little extra credit. Okay. He was so charming that the jury only... I guess sentenced him to four years in federal prison. He got out. What was served he, his time. Was murder the official charge or was yeah. it like okay, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Murder was the official charge. He got out, changed his name and moved up north, and he's still alive. Hanging out today. Some with crap blood on his hands. Laughter or whatever. Yeah. I mean wow. don't blame a curse a movie curse on murdering somebody. Mm. You know, like you mm. still did it. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyway, um, onward. Just before you go yes, onward, go ahead. Uh, this will be interesting because I've never seen Poltergeist. Yeah. So well, you're, you're going to watch it soon. 40th anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. 
Okay, man. I know that I haven't seen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But you haven't seen Poltergeist. I've never seen Poltergeist. Yeah. I will say, mm-hmm. solid. I'm planning on seeing it the first time whenever Dude. the anniversary okay. comes anniversary. out next, like, next month or whatever. Also, don't sleep on two. Two. I haven't seen the second one. Poltergeist 2 also rocks, okay. and they come at you pretty hot with some really cool practical effects so, monsters. Yeah. and um, Absolutely. It's cool. Also, it has one of my favorite like villains in it. It's like oh, this really? super super mm. creepy preacher dude. That's like Ooh. not fun to mm. look at. Yeah. He looks like a walking skeleton. Nice. Okay. It's super metal. Okay. But yeah, and I will also say it. that right. Poltergeist, I think, is one of the best horror movies of all time. I had only seen it, I think, maybe two years ago for the first time, and I was like, mm, okay. "Why is this movie?" But it clearly paves the way. For the whole Conjuring universe, it is the exact formula yeah. which the Conjuring movie, the first one, which is the best one, is based upon. It is almost mm. like the same movie, but completely different yeah, tones. Same in a for way. B, like, Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same exact formula. So good. Uh, highly recommend it, guys. Um, but beware, you may be cursed by watching this movie. Also, Ooh, um, the remake of Poltergeist has um, that dad from uh, uh, I tried watching that was oh the really the am I am I getting my movies mixed up I which one might be yeah because I think the dad in Insidious Insidious yeah. that's what yeah. I'm that in Poltergeist is a cool guy I haven't seen the remake. Moon Keith Moon the drummer for no. the who uh what is his name? Moon Knight. Good actor. Disney Plus. No, I like him. He's in a lot of stuff. He's a character actor. Moon. This is breaking my brain. What is the movie that you said? Moon. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, that's, that's Patrick whatever. <laughs> yes, that's right. Patrick Wilson, I think. Yeah. So yeah. What, are you, what are you asking, though? Moon what? Who's the actor in Moon? I don't. He's in other stuff. This is breaking my brain. I need Sorry, to guys. This is what I happens when I'm in the middle of a story. Moon. <laughs> the, also, the I can't look. <laughs> yeah, I can't look up moon. Moon movie. There you go. <laughs> One time, uh, somebody w- was talking to me about this like really cool zombie movie called Zombie, and I looked up zombie, and they were like, nope, that's not going to yield anything. Oh, that you're looking yeah. for. <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Yeah. You mean, oh. Sam Rockwell is in the Poltergeist, Poltergeist remake. remake. That's right. 2010, yeah. gotcha. which I still have yet to see. I tried watching it. I couldn't get through. Okay. Well, it's something I need to watch. But yeah. There is a little information on that one as okay. well. So let's cool. dive back into that. Okay. Poltergeist is one of the most beloved horror films produced during the 1980s. From Toby Hooper's direction to Steven Spielberg's ever-present guiding hand to the horrifying visual effects, the film is considered a horror classic. However, in the decades since its release... The film has spawned an even darker legacy, one filled with untimely deaths, paranormal happenings, strange incidents, ghostly hauntings, and even murder. Today, we're exposing the curse of the Poltergeist film franchise. Now, let's go behind the scenes of the curse of the Poltergeist. Poltergeist was a supernatural horror picture directed by Toby Hooper, who co-wrote and directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a cult classic of the slasher horror genre. Poltergeist was written by Michael Grace. Mark Victor and Steven Spielberg. It tells the tale of the Freeling family who are terrorized by the spirits who eventually abduct their young daughter into the great beyond. 
the family is left with only one way to communicate with their young girl through a static-filled television set. So, Warren, tell me if this seems familiar to you. You're going to react, okay. <laughs> They're here! <laughs> yeah, that's from Independence Day, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I Honestly, I know Poltergeist is super popular. I've mm-hmm. seen it parodied in a dozen things. And I'm Family Guy. Yeah, yeah, Family Guy, whatever. Like, I Great know Family Guy episode. A scary movie. Like, mm. I, I've, I know what it's about, but I've never actually seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. So when you watch it, I think you'll still be surprised at how like hard it goes. Yeah, okay. Because they did bring in Toby Hooper to mm. direct it, but it's still produced exactly produced by Steven Spielberg. And I know the rumor that Toby Hooper is like whatever, like mm. incompetent, and like Steven Spielberg like directed it. Yeah, like, he was the one who actually directed it. Yeah, so I, I hate that story so much. Really? really? Oh yeah, I don't buy it at all. It. No, he Wasn't dir- it like he was like Toby Hooper directed. That's why. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, he he directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. under like insane conditions. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way he didn't direct Poltergeist because he's a really good director. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he made my favorite horror movie of mm-hmm. all time, which is Texas Chainsaw. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't buy it. No. Okay. It but. is a rumor. It is also said that since he was directing E.T. that same year, Absolutely. legally he wasn't allowed to direct two movies in one year. So mm. the way he got around that was having somebody else be the director, but him pretty much directing the whole thing behind the scenes. Gotcha. So that's a rumor. Um, this film was originally intended to be a sequel to A Close Encounters of the Third Kind, titled Night Skies. However, when Spielberg was unable to direct the film because of a contractual commitment to E.T., the extraterrestrial, he enlisted the master of the macabre, Toby Hooper. Is it Toby or Tobe? Toby. It's Toby. It's Toby? I thought it was Tobe. Yeah, right. you big dumb. I thought, I thought you were just like... No, no, I thought it was like Tobe <laughs> for like the longest time. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well... The two redeveloped the film as a more horror-centric story. The rest is history. Released by MGM on June 4, 1982, Poltergeist was a massive hit, both commercially and critically. It was nominated for three Academy Awards and ranked in many people's Best of the Year lists. The film was so successful that it spawned two sequels and a remake. However, despite the accolades, financial windfalls, and careers that it spawned there's a seldom discussed shadowy figure lurking just beyond sight mysterious deaths hauntings accidents and a brutal murder and there's plenty of evidence of this so-called cursed at one point in the film the evil spirits that doggedly pursue the freeling family possess a small clown toy belonging to robbie freeling the sequence was intended to show the animatronics puppet's arm wrapped around the neck of Oliver Robbins, the actor who played Robbie. The plan was to quickly unwind the clown's arm while filming it. The footage would then be ran backward. I like the lighting. I like how it's like super dark. Oh, that clown, dude. <laughs> the skull crawlers here are very familiar with uh, clown dolls. So. We've been here in this exact situation before. <laughs> You've been in the exact situation. It's been in your house. Nice. Oh, yeah. We're skipping past that, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're all riled up. We can't finish the episode. <laughs> I gotta take a moment. <laughs> Can you use your bathroom? <laughs> oh, my gosh. God, Pee Wee. Come on. <laughs> 
So, you could see the effect that they're going yeah, for. Yeah. Lots of times in movies, even today, they will shoot things in reverse to make it look like something's crawling up mm -hmm. you. Really, they'll just like slowly move it around you. Yeah. The plan was to quickly unwind the clown's arm while filming it. The footage would then be run backward to make it appear as though the clown doll was attacking young Robbie. However, what actually happened was a near-death experience that could have taken much a, a much oh, darker no. turn if none other than Steven Spielberg was not keenly aware of what was happening. Robbins has since said in an interview, quote, the way they shot the scene, or way they shot the sequence, they didn't really have the special effects the way they do today. So the clown doll had this extended arm, and then they had me act backwards. The contraption got caught around my neck. Steven saw that, probably in the video assist, and he pulled it away from me. Who knows what might have happened otherwise, end quote. And that was just the beginning of close calls. Oh, sure. I mean, that's... And potentially paranormal accidents. From old Hollywood, stuff like that. <laughs> All yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. They did no rules back yeah, then, man. Yeah, I get it. I mean, low budget. Like, we we run things the same yeah, way. When yeah. we did Scarecrow, uh, our Scarecrow, Dylan, over here, was just slinging around a real side. A, a real <laughs> That I tried to dole with a yeah. file. And it was so great. I never felt more alive. <laughs> he I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> he actually got into character uh, horrifyingly quick. <laughs> a little worried. Just no prompt. Just, just like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Oh, I need to kill this guy? Yeah, yeah, all right. As long as it's on set, then it's yeah. Really yeah, exactly. You guys got me, right? Uh, yeah, maybe that's why our productions are cursed. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Poltergeist 2 was released on May 23rd at 1986. It was directed by Brian Gibson, and the screenplay was written by Michael Grays and Mark Victor. The film brought back Joe Beth Williams and Heather O'Rourke. Joe Beth Williams was the mom, okay. and Heather O'Rourke was the daughter, the blonde girl, uh, okay. the okay, face so. of the franchise, mm -hmm. if you will. There were many unexplained and bizarre events that happened over the course of filming The Poltergeist 2. Lights were falling, turning off, and shorting out all over set. People were seeing unexplainable, shadowy figures and hearing strange noises coming out of the equipment. Ooh. Things got so strange that, in fact, the production asked Native American actor Will Sampson who played Taylor in the film, who was also a real-life medicine man, to perform an on-set cleansing ritual. Ooh. He is so cool in that movie, too. Oh, really? Oh, dude. He's, yeah, he's very cool. So in my head, what happened was everybody and the whole production was just white people, and they're like, hey, man, can you, <laughs> can you do some, like, Indian magic and bless this yeah. place? And he's like, uh, sure. sure. <laughs> I mean, that is what happened. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> And like, so he goes over there and just starts saying stuff and like blowing the sage uh, or you know cedar or whatever mm -hmm. he had and did his thing and they're like, oh thank God <laughs> for an Indian, you know. <laughs> it's legit. Also, now that I say that he was cool, don't don't quote me on that because I remember liking the movie and I I just know that you're gonna go back and watch it. And be like, That's so offensive. Oh, uh, it's like heavily. I can't believe Dylan would. Maybe Dylan's kind of racist. <laughs> Oh, no. so, I take it back. Okay, we'll follow up on that after we watch Poltergeist 2. <laughs> 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 
episode, we'll, we'll come back. Episode and... six, I'm just not here. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's just gone. <laughs> Everyone's like, ah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We, just, we just have to deliver a state of the address at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> like, due to some creative differences. And <laughs> yeah, creative differences. Yeah. Dude, they're totally ignorant. Like, Back to the episode. All right, Samson agreed to perform the ceremony, and while it helped the cast and crew complete a 64-day shoot on schedule and on budget, it had an an unforeseen consequence. Will Samson died just one year later from complications of a heart and lung transplant. One year later. One year later. God. Okay, is that a curse, though, or is lung transplants just super hard to do? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. A, that's very not, true. Not let alone a lung transplant, a heart and lung transplant. Right. Like, just a torso up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe they just got the organs backwards and like, oh, no, you can't breathe through this heart. <laughs> I played Operation Touch the Sides. <laughs> hey, that's a person you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's any different from what you said. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. <laughs> back, to the, back to the episode. Poltergeist 3 was released on June 10th, 1988. Zelda Rubenstein, the character actress who played the diminutive medium, Tangina Barons, in the original Poltergeist, was the star of Poltergeist 3, reported a bizarre experience during production. While on set, having her picture taken for publicity stills, she claimed to be followed by a photo light blur. Rubenstein said that after a photo of her was taken, she saw light trails and the strange and strange strobing effects for days, if not weeks after. She would later reveal that she thought this happened because the photo was taken at the exact moment her mother passed away. Ooh. But filming of Poltergeist 3 would get scarier and more dangerous. While shooting a sequence at Oak Brook Terrace's Mid-America Plaza, a special effects explosion went awry. The blast, which was intended to shoot straight into the air, ignited six polystyrene foam-covered cars, all of which burst into flames. Three extras and a maintenance worker and two firefighters were badly injured in the explosion and a subsequent fire. All told, the blast caused more than a quarter million dollar of damage. Jeez. Yes. So we have uh, almost a scary explosion story from one of our movies, which we'll tell at the end of the podcast. Do we? What? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. I'll okay. Tell you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll remind you. Okay. He just doesn't know. He doesn't yeah, know. I mean, I'll find, this is how I find out. <laughs> uh, you almost died. I'm just kidding. <laughs> According to some eyewitness accounts including those of multiple police officers, the explosion took the shape of a massive flaming ball and that actually appeared to be chasing people on the set. Eventually, the Poltergeist film franchise had run its course. But the curse continued. And then there was Heather O'Rourke, the angelic little girl who was the face of the Poltergeist franchise, who also suffered an untimely death. Born on December 27th, 1975, O'Rourke did not originally audition to be in Poltergeist. Her older sister, Tammy, did while she was shooting the movie Pennies from Heaven. As the story goes, Steven Spielberg went to the studio commissary after the Poltergeist auditions were over and spotted Heather and her family eating lunch. He asked to meet Heather and quickly became convinced that she was the right person for the role. She was signed the next day, chosen over Drew Barrymore, the child star of E.T. Mm. Heather was only five years old. 
Heather O'Rourke played Carol Ann Freeling in all three Poltergeist films. However, after exhibiting flu-like symptoms on February 1st, 1988, she collapsed in her home. She was rushed to Community Hospital in El Cajon, California. On the way, she suffered cardiac arrest. Paramedics were able to revive her, and she was quickly flown to Children's Hospital in San Diego. While there, undergoing surgery for intestinal stenosis, she suffered another cardiac arrest. Untimely, the cause of death was ruled congenital stenosis of the intestine complicated by septic shock. I also read somewhere else that she was misdiagnosed mm. and that she could have been saved if it hadn't happened. What, what was she originally diagnosed with? Just, I, I don't remember. Oh, gotcha. It was like something just like very normal. Like flu or whatever. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. God, that's crazy. Author James Kahn, who was hired to write the novelization of the first two films, also experienced some extreme circumstances that have since been attributed to the poltergeist curse. While writing the first film's novelization, a lightning bolt hit his home. It blew up his air conditioner and, and the face plate blew off and hit him in the back. From that day forward, wow. he says whenever he would attempt to play video games in his house, they would start playing themselves and glitching in a very disturbing ways. Huh. Spooky. Spooky. He probably just had the AI turned on. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why is this game so hard? <laughs> <laughs> you have it on extremely difficult. <laughs> <laughs> At least he didn't get hit by a bolt of lightning. At least it was just his house. Because you, yeah. like, you can like, leave your house. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. leave septic shock. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you're exactly right. Additionally, Gil Keenan, who directed the 2015 Poltergeist remake, oh, it was the 2015 Poltergeist, I thought it was 2010, sorry, was haunted by a spirit from the beyond while making the film. In a Reddit Ask Me Anything segment, Keenan said, quote, The location for the house during shooting I chose because it had a strange and unnecessary feel that the houses of this particular community were built around. I'm going to read that over again. I, that sounded weird. In a Reddit Ask Me Anything segment, Keenan said, quote, The location for the house during shooting I chose because it had a strange and unnecessary feel that houses of this particular community were built around. And we found throughout production that we had persistent and repeated equipment failures only on the strange plot of land. The production struggled with keeping equipment on, GPS signals for drones working, and the camera batteries charged. Eventually, Gil Keenan figured out that the house he was renting during the production was in fact haunted by a woman clad in all black. The house that I rented during filming was straight up legit haunted by a female spirit dressed in black, he recalled in the same AMA. And I became aware of her within the first few days of staying in that house. Uh, and only after I left did I receive a call from the previous owner who moved back in who was terrified by the goings on in the house and wanted to see if I had experienced any of it so it was an incredible real life inspiration for filming that followed me home so how in the world did these movies become so cursed you asked how in the world does the movie become so cursed Carrie? thank you for asking (laughs) There's a sequence in the original Poltergeist film where the mom, Diane Freeling, played by Joe Beth Williams, is running through the rain beside a swimming pool that the Freelings are in the process of constructing. She slips and falls into that pool. In the film, the skeletal remains of corpses emerge from the muddy water and begin to attack her. Sick. When they were shooting the sequence, Joe Beth Williams was told the skeletons were just props. 
but they weren't simply man-made props. They were actual real skeletons. <clears throat> really? I had heard this. I had heard this before. Dude. About this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they use actual human remains. Yes, dude. That's so uh-huh. metal, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the rest of the story gets even more metal. All right. Um, real human bones that the production had purchased from a scientific research facility. When asked about it for a special TV land myths and legends, Joe Beth said, quote, I assumed that the that they were prop skeletons made out of plastic or rubber. I found out later, as did the whole crew, that they were using real skeletons because it was far too expensive to make fake skeletons out of rubber. I think that everybody <laughs> I think that everybody got real creeped out by the idea of that. End quote. Many fans of the Poltergeist film series believe that the use of real human skeletons during filming was the reason a curse seemed to follow many of the cast and crew members of this iconic horror franchise. Wow. That's so, crazy. Real skeletons. That they were just like, can we like buy some yeah, can cadavers? to the local college lab. I'm like, hey, can we, can we get the skeletons? Like, yeah, sure. What yeah. are you using for you know, no, no, yeah, no you know the it. special effects team. They're just like, we got so much money. Let's just like save it, and yeah. we'll go buy some real skeletons yeah, instead right. of making some fake ones. I can't, I, I can't believe it's harder to make them than it is to buy real skeletons. Yeah, I mean that they did. They do come out of water as well, and to so make them look realistic coming out of water, I imagine that's probably a little difficult. Yeah, but I don't know, yeah, I don't know either. Plastidip is like <clears throat> waterproof. Yeah, you can literally just like make some foam bones. Yeah, mm. plastidip it, mm. paint it white, and actually just like stain it with like a lacquer. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So instead, they mm. were like, you know what, oh, man, like Wednesday, I got a lot on. Yeah. So uh, I think I gotta do this ET thing. I don't <laughs> have time. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So I think instead, I'm gonna murder a little girl with a curse. That's what I'm yeah. gonna do. <laughs> actually, instead of. Working Again, I'm going to haunt well, this whole I, production. I will say that one of the reasons why it's so hard for me to watch the 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. is that they use like real animal corpses as like mm. props in the movie. That's true. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard for me to watch movies in that era because like maybe, there maybe weren't Maybe this is a laws. Toby Hooper thing where he's like, oh, yeah, let's just That's throw a little spice. And <laughs> he's like, really to just make it feel real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. We're going to put It might have been him like just like, hey, don't do it. And he's like, Winking at them, yeah. Like, uh, definitely yeah. don't do that. Definitely wink, don't wink. do that. He's like, "There's something in my eye," <laughs> but don't do that. Okay, so I've got a little bit more left on this. It's funny that the actual twist of the movie, and heads up, spoilers, is that they built this beautiful suburban neighborhood where a cemetery used to be. However, they only moved the gravestones and left the corpses in the ground. Why did they, for some reason, expect that using real human cadavers wouldn't have a lasting effect on the movie production? So that's a plot point in the movie, and they ended up using They ended up doing it. Yeah. They were making a movie about I didn't even make being on yeah. Cursed yeah. Land. Cursed Land. And, then, and they did that exact thing, yeah. basically. Wow. Yeah. Maybe, okay, now I'm thinking they maybe kind of deserve Toby, it. <laughs> Toby Hooper probably did was like, hey, let's make this a little bit real. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. yeah, he's like, F that Steven Spielberg guy. Yeah. not let me direct my own movie. Yeah. Let's curse this thing. So I'm going to use bones. 
Very possible. So That's crazy. Funny. No, I can't imagine anybody would just like make that decision, but somebody obviously mm. did. I don't know, dude. I feel like if uh, if I was directing a movie mm. and I could get real bones, mm. Mm. I would definitely like ask everyone, like, mm. "Hey, man, this so, cool? like, I yeah. really want to use real stuff." Yeah. And this person was like, they gave their their body mm. to like science. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like it's all mm. we're all good to go. Um, then I would definitely want to. Yeah. But I mean, there's tons of like sketchy stuff like that in movies, like especially back then. Like I think it was I don't know if you know this Dylan or I don't know if you know this, mm. but and I think Day of the Dead, they had they used actual meat for like some of the like you know the zombies eating bodies or whatever. Oh, cool. And one on one of the days, the refrigerator holding meat oh, it like. Right. Turned oh, off, yeah. And it shut off, so they still use that meat. So those zombie actors like body in the like gross, like raw, rotten like meat, meat rotten oh, meat. Dude. Yeah, that's Ugh. brutal, man. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. No yeah. Thanks. yeah. Like they still use it. It's like, ugh. Dude. And they all got sick. Yeah. They all died. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's just gonna put you behind on production. So really, what are we doing here? Yeah. Why? Yeah. 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 I mean, really, it's just you're getting people sick. That's the worst. Mm. Don't do that. All right, going to wrap this wrap this story up. Poltergeist is considered a true classic of the horror genre, but is perhaps as renowned for its off-screen tragedies as for its on-screen chills. The lives of the people the film has touched have been changed forever, some for better, some for worse. One could say that the pol- that Poltergeist is a film franchise that has made one thing an indelible certainty: never use real skeletons. So what do you think? You think the Poltergeist films are cursed? I mean, the thought of using real skeletons like that sketchy for sure. But a lot of this, I mean, sure it could be cursed, but a lot of this stuff is like coincidental. Like the the yeah. the, the, the 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 novelization guy like getting struck by lightning, like that's just a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, yeah. How often does that happen? All I the mean, time. But like, no, I, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It very well could just be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, there had to be hundreds, if not couple thousand people that have worked on all the movies and who knows if crazy what stories they have you know what popular yeah exactly yeah um but you know the little girl heather o'rourke dying i think she was you know like 10 or 11 years old when she died that's truly a tragedy and the older sister who was in the movie Mm. being murdered before the movie even came out that's horrible yeah so that's the Poltergeist, guys. Yeah. Poltergeist. Thanks for sharing about Poltergeist. That was awesome. Thank um, you. A lot I didn't know. A lot I'd heard, but like it's it's neat getting it all in like a neat little package like that. Sure. Um, on the topic of like productions where films like they did some sketchy stuff or like did some stuff like you know under the table like you know possibly dangerous things. possibly super dangerous things. Um, that could have gotten them in a lot of trouble. That could have gotten in a lot of trouble. On that topic, I have... I'm going to speak about Twilight Zone, the movie, which is also related to Steven Spielberg. Nice. Mm. Twilight Zone, the movie, was released in the summer of 1983, so a year after Poltergeist. Okay. Um, the film, which received mixed reviews, was based on a TV series of the same name that aired from 1959 to 1964 and was created by Rod Serling. In the movie, four directors, uh, John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante, and George Miller, 
uh, each adapted a different episode of the TV series, which chronicled the stories of people who found themselves in highly unusual situations. Mm. Um, personally, the George Miller one's my favorite, and that's the gremlin on the plane. Yeah, that one's dope. Um, oh, so they remade that for this movie? Is what you're yes, saying? Yes, yeah, because gotcha. it was originally. I remember uh, the original one. I don't know if yeah. I've seen the remake one. Yeah. I might have. Yeah, um, they're all remakes of Twilight Zone episodes or like reworks kind of. Mm. For instance, the one directed by uh, John Landis is a bit of a rework. Okay. Um, which is the first segment in the movie. Um, okay. During the filming of the first segment directed by John Landis uh, on July 23rd, 1982 at around 2.30 a.m. actor Vic Morrow and child actors Micah Din Lee, age 7, and Renee Shin Yi Chen, uh, age 6, Died in an accident involving the heli- a helicopter being used on the set. What? The like I said, this is this is another like child death. So, well, thanks for warning us. Yeah, sorry, I should <laughs> prep that, prep that for yeah. that first. And you, you, <laughs> I mean, bumped I it up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. Had two. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> and an like, yeah, three people died. It's, it's rough. Um, Holy crap! Like I said, all uh, segments were like adaptations or reworkings of mm. Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, this one is a reworking of the episode Equality of Mercy. Mm. Now, the Equality of Mercy, it was originally about a World War II lieutenant who's about to attack a group of wounded Japanese soldiers holed up in a cave before he's transported in time and is now a Japanese soldier and about about to commit the same attack. So it's essentially like seeing it from the reverse angle, Mm. like how he's like trying to learn, like, oh, I should probably um, not attack somebody when when they're down or whatever. Okay. Um, so in that story, the lieutenant has a change of heart. Mm. Uh, in this rework, Vic Moore's character is bitter after being passed over for promotion in favor of a Jewish coworker. Drinking in a bar after work with his friends, Bill utters slurs towards Jewish, black, and Asian people. Oof. He is then thrust into multiple scenarios where he is sent through time to different periods where these minority groups were persecuted. First being sent to Nazi-occupied France as a Jewish man, and then sent to rural Alabama, where he is seen as a black man being chased by the Klan. Wait, wait, wait. Excuse me. Uh, I've seen this TV show. It is called Quantum Leap. <laughs> I mean, sure. We watched it in fourth grade. Quantum Leap slaps. Quantum Leap <laughs> is Quantum Leap so rules. good. Did you know they're remaking Quantum Leap? No way. Yeah. Gosh. I think on NBC. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude, there was like a whole day at Elk Valley where I just had it on all day. No oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, dude. I found it on TV and I was like, it's Quantum Leap, y'all. <laughs> and he, he's just like dressed in this old, like 1950s dress, playing this old black woman, you know, just like oh, experiencing so racism, but it's him <laughs> as the black woman. But everyone else, he's just like an old black lady you know, yeah. treating him terribly. Wait, but the character is in the dress? Yes, <laughs> oh exactly. Wait, have you I've seen, seen have, Quantum you Leap? Know, oh, dude, I know what the premise is, but I've never seen it. He plays old yeah. Asian ladies and stuff like oh that, too. Okay, so they definitely can't do that in the reboot. It's not all that. There are some where he is just playing another white guy. Anyway, continue. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Vic- Victor Moro's character is sent to uh, Vietnam War, to the Vietnam War, where he is shot at by American soldiers. Mm. Um, the rework has a more cynical, dour ending where Moro's character, instead of learning any moral, is then just transported back to the first scenario in occupied France, where mm. he is now on a freight car with other Jewish prisoners being sent to a concentration camp. Mm. And like the scene is like he's like stuck on the train, and then he sees the bar where he was, and like trying to flag down his friends, and like they don't obviously don't see him, and yep. he's like, he's like 
you know, he's stuck in the past or whatever. Um, after Warner Brothers executives Lucy Fisher and Terry Samuel uh, objected that the central character of the segment was too uns- unsympathetic, Landis came up with the idea of Morrow's character, Bill Connor, redeeming himself by rescuing two Vietnamese orphans. In the scene that served as the original ending, like I said, uh, Bill was to have traveled back through time again and stumbled into a desert, deserted Vietnamese village where he finds two young Vietnamese children left behind when a U.S. Army helicopter appears and begins shooting at them. Morrow was to take both children under his arms and escape out of the village as the hovering helicopter destroyed the village with multiple explosions. The scenes involving the Chalon actors were not in Landis's original draft for this segment. Mm. Um, let's see. I'm just gonna skim a bit because I don't think I organized it. Okay, yeah, I did. Okay. Um, so another thing about this production, um, it was a rewrite this mm. whole sequence, and so it was like haphazardly thrown in, like the last minute. So the two the two two child actors that were hired in violation of California law, which prohibits child actors from working at night or in proximity to explosions and requires the presence of a teacher or social worker on set. Um, originally, these child actors, they were hired as uh, background. Mm. And that's what their parents were told. Like, they're going to be background mm-hmm. actors. They're not going to be principal or anything like that. And it was, like, really shady. Like, shady stuff. Um, during the filming of the scene, the helicopter pilot had trouble navigating through the fireballs created by pyrotechnic effects for the sequence. A technician on the ground did not know this was a technician on the ground did not know this and detonated two of the pyrotechnic charges close together. The flash force of the two explosions caused the low-flying helicopter to spin out of control and crash land on top of Moro and the two children as they were crossing a small pond away from the village mock-up. All three were killed instantly. Oh my gosh. Morrow and Lee were decapitated by the helicopter's top rotor blades what? while Chen was crushed to death by one of the struts. Um, so the thing about this is I don't advise it. Just just top just you know, trigger warning right now. I don't advise it. There is footage of this. Mm. You can find online. Jeez, I will not be looking dude. at it. Yeah. There is footage of this. If you're more of a curiosity, you want, you know, you want to seek this out, you can find it. But I don't advise it. But essentially, the scene is it. You know, did you did you look at it? I did look at it. Oh my it's, gosh, Orin, what's wrong with you? It's dude? rough. Um, it's not super detailed, but you can definitely you see decapitation. Yeah. And you see you know, the impact of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a sequence or while they're running away, uh, Moro's carrying the two children under his arms. He drops uh, Chen in the river and he goes to pick her up and as he does that, that's when the helicopter crashes and you see, you can see like the rotor blade decapitate him and the child he's holding in his arm and you see like the helicopter lights impact. Oh, so you're not even talking about like there's in, pictures. In, you're talking No, there's full footage. There's oh. It's not super detailed. It's like, you know, film far away. Right, but, but you, you, you yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Jesus, man. Mm-hmm. Um woof. But they yeah. finished the scene? They finished the scene cuz this was like I said, this is like a reshoot, like a last minute thing. So they already had oh footage that they filmed. Oh, so the original ending in the, the original, TV the ori- show is him on the on the train. Or the original ending in the in the in the movie is him on the train, right? And they were filming this sequence as the uh, new ending to make his character more sympathetic. 
Gotcha. So, and obviously, you know, going to do it. Jesus. Yeah. Um, the accident led to civil and criminal action against the filmmakers, which lasted nearly a decade. Uh, Landis, uh, Folsley, production manager Dan Allingham, and pilot Dorsey Wingo, and explosive specialist Paul Stewart were tried and acquitted on charges of manslaughter in a nine-month trial in 1986 and 1987. Jeez. According to a 1987 New York Times report, it was the first time a film director faced criminal charges for events that occurred while making a movie. During the subsequent trial, the defense maintained the crash was an accident that could not have been predicted while the prosecution claimed Landis and his crew had been reckless and violated laws regarding child actors, including regulations about their working conditions and hours. Um... Like I said, this all goes back to um, the the parents of these children were paid under the table. They were told they were going to be a background. They weren't going to be principal. They weren't supposed to be filming at nights. And there is even... I had trouble looking this up. There's a lot reported about it. But like, there's hearsay about Landis. He fully knew the danger. He fully knew what was going on. And he like... like was egging on like no we gotta get the shot we gotta get the shot mm. like stuff like that um oh man yeah uh producer and co-director Steven Spielberg was so disgusted by Landis's handling of the situation he ended their friendship and publicly called for the end of the new Hollywood era and the new Hollywood era like I said like in uh Poltergeist and yeah. like, movies like of that era where Deckers had almost complete control and they could do mm. whatever they want and they could skirt by by using you know, skeletal remains or like, you know, fresh meat or like rotten meat or whatever. Um, when approached by the press about the accident, he stated, uh, Steven Spielberg, he said, no movie is worth dying for. I think people are standing up much more now than ever before to producers and directors who ask too much. If something isn't safe, it's the right and responsibility of every actor or crew member to yell cut. So, and there's also some about this uh, Twilight Zone the movie. Um, this was like kind of like the first thing they filmed in that production, like the first sequence. Yeah. And like after this happened, Steven Spielberg just like so like checked out. Like he didn't he didn't even finish his sequence. Like he had a uh, he had one of his editors just finish it for him. Like, right. Like he was like so dismayed. <clears throat> yeah, like, I would have been out of there. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 As soon as. You know, children dying. Yeah, yeah. In an explosion. Like, mm. no, I'm out of there. Dude. Yeah, I'm not yeah. being attached to this. I don't want my name attached to it at all. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing about this too, because like this happened, and like Steven Spielberg were like, everybody was hyped about. It. They were making ties on the movie, or they were bringing it back, and like, oh yeah, it's Steven Spielberg. Of course, it's gonna be great. And then after this happened, he was just like so bummed and like, yeah, you know, wanted nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, it makes sense. Yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. And this like kind of like ruined. Landis's career for right a while, and like, I mean, forever. I mean, they're still like I was say as it should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and this is kind of like his last big thing, and like you know, ugh. Yeah, yeah it makes me sick to my stomach. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. heavy. Yeah, like, I mean, that was like that was it. Like since then, there's been more protections. There's a the FFA or FAA has like gone on to you know create more provisions about using aircraft on film sets and like there's more you know over you know you know overseeing and Mm -hmm. like there's a lot more that 
is involved on a you know film where yeah. you just can't do anything. Like you have to like, it's got to be as safe as possible, yeah. and like that ties to you know the rust thing last year of Alec Baldwin, yeah. where like there was just like shortcuts were taken, people yeah. using real firearms, real not firearms. Prop guns. Yeah. yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. So, so I mean, they're yeah, they're adjustments being made all the time mm-hmm. to make movies safe. Yeah, and like COVID right now, there are like COVID compliance officers are on on films yeah. and like you got to be by the book by be. everything. So yeah, yeah. Uh, heavy story, Warren. Yeah, yeah, that one bummed me out a little bit. Yeah, that's so. that's just kind of a real like nothing real cursed or paranormal about it, but it's it's uh, tragedy, tragedy. Yeah, it's, you know, well, it's rough. Mm-hmm. It is rough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's still I'm sure filmmakers out there that are cutting all those corners and stuff like that. And you know, we jokingly said that, but we really do care about yeah. the safety of everybody. Yeah. Um, but well, oh, dude, I've I mean I've been on, you know, a couple sets, <coughs> and n- yeah, no, mm-hmm. you guys legitimately care. I mean, like when we were <coughs> when we did um, uh, Scarecrow, mm. it was hot. Yeah, it was real hot outside. Yeah, yeah. but like everybody like we had a ton of water and mm-hmm. snacks and everything it was like we try to give you breaks and yeah. yeah and i was just i was just like i'm just keeping it all on because yeah. at the end of the day like that was just like you know i could have taken it off it's fine we could have like taken time to do mm-hmm. it but yeah. it was for me it was just like i liked it yeah. so it was yeah. just like kept me sort of more in the moment but sure. the thing is though is like if we wanted to stop we all had water we all had snacks like i said it was just mm-hmm. like we could have done it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, people who make movies and like the, I guess like the people that you guys know and the mm-hmm. people that we know, it's like, yeah, I mean, people legitimately care, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, we just want it. We're out there to have fun, make mm-hmm. something cool mm-hmm. and like, you know, not kill ourselves making a movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing about even that era in the eighties. It was like, a lot of those directors like, so egotistical, like you know, yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be this way, and, you know. Yeah. And then like, yeah, you know, they're gonna take shortcuts. They're gonna sure. force you to do this stuff. And, like this is all before there is any like security or like yeah. uh, you know safety, you know, things in place. So yeah, yeah, it was just it was the wild west back then. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, if you try to do anything remotely like that now, yeah, like. Oh, for one, no, and yeah. two, you're so fired. Yeah. Like, no way, man. Plus, there's like way there's a whole lot of insurance that has to be taken out. Like, I think like Tom Cruise, like all the stuff he does in the Mission Impossible movies now, like there's his insurance is like super high for the film. Like, that's a lot of the budget. Yeah, really. Yeah, Holy but he, crap. I mean, he does all of his own stunts. Yeah, so he, he like seems like he. I mean. He's a crazy dude, but he legitimately, like, is like there to make sure everybody's like as safe as possible. Yeah. You know, but yeah. While he's jumping off of like a twelve-story tall mm-hmm. building yeah. onto a helicopter, but yeah, I mean it's cool. Yeah. So changing tones a little bit, okay. we're going to discuss our own personal curse production. Yeah. It mimics. It's called it mimics. We filmed it last June. Uh, it was real hot. We found an actual haunted bridge, supposedly. I mean, supposedly. like most bridges are haunted bridges. Yeah, all, all crybaby bridges are crybaby bridges. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> You've all heard a crybaby, cry, crybaby bridge story, yeah. and the story, this bridge was one of them. Mm-hmm. 
and apparently some guy fell into the concrete and his body's still in the bridge supposedly yeah, him, um, uh, a worker supposedly fell into the cement cement struts mm-hmm. that hold up the bridge and like supposedly his spirit is still haunting that bridge yeah and i googled that and that's the story of like three other bridges in oklahoma yeah, too exactly. so yeah who knows if yeah. it's haunted or not well we're really bad at making roads so yeah we're not known for that i'll tell you what <laughs> so we filmed at mimics uh formerly known as Goatman's bridge mm-hmm. last june it was a three-day production over the course of two weeks it was a lot of fun it was one of the most fun short films we shot oh, yeah. um however some really weird things happen warren can you tell the the listeners what our movie's about so the movie is about a brother and sister traveling home and they pop you know tire pops and they have a flat while they cross this bridge and it's like in the middle of nowhere it's real spooky and supposedly there's a goat man living on the bridge mm-hmm. and he possesses the girl or the sister and they swamp you know he assumes her form or whatever um we filmed this primarily at night a lot Mm -hmm. of it at night yeah um which is real spooky real spooky (laughs) especially when you're in the middle of nowhere and there's just like you and five other people and a bunch of rednecks driving by and four wheelers that that's the thing about that bridge too is it was the old uh highway 102 yeah so it's a one-lane bridge so you have to either wait for people to go through people mm-hmm. still use it and they're riding dune buggies like in the sand dunes like yeah. beneath the bridge too which looks like a lot of fun <laughs> i mean yeah um I mean, so yeah they're loaded they've got these freaking really nice dune buggies they're just mm. doing wheelies and donuts down there yeah. Yeah, come on and we actually yeah. were like pretty like locally famous like over the course of those three nights because like, that's right there were people come up like you guys film you the ones filming that movie i was like sure yeah <laughs> how do you know about yeah, it yeah right we didn't ask permission or yeah. anything we just kind of showed up yeah this like bridge. word spread and i'm like yeah. you know people came out like driving by like you guys filming a movie yeah. and we're like be safe or there was one night okay i think it was the second or third night okay uh where uh a lady came up say hey just so you guys be, guys be careful there's feral hogs up the road they're loose she said they're headed this way they're headed this way yeah what and we're we just <laughs> yeah. shot a scene and our actors they heard that and they're like what freaking out yeah. and immediately production no 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 it wasn't immediately i no. said okay well everybody we're gonna take a break everybody go sit by the cars we're gonna drive up the road and we'll see if we yeah, can we'll see them and scare out, them off sure, or something yeah. and so me and jojo shout out jojo we hopped in the cars this giant flashlight and we drove up the road and looked for the wild hogs, thinking mm. that they were just going to come right down the road at us. No, they were in the woods. Yeah. I don't know where this lady saw them, how far down the road she saw them, but we drove you know, about two miles up the road yeah. and right back. And we're like, yeah, we didn't see them. So we'll go ahead and keep shooting and we'll have She's someone on hog sense. duty. Yeah. <laughs> so we had JoJo on hog duty at the end of the bridge with a flashlight. Yeah, and just, just like, like scoping along the bank of the yeah, river. Yeah, we were in the middle of the bridge, so we are mostly safe unless yeah. the hogs decided to run directly at us on the bridge yeah yikes um and that was maybe like 20 minutes later we were filming that scene yep and while jojo was uh scoping the bank of the river yeah he spots one like i like drinking from the river like at the bank oh my gosh and i think what was it uh jake saw it and freaked out and it was like they're too close like nope nope and we, everybody just went back to the cars. i wasn't gonna call him out by name but <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> right. that, uh, redacted 
no, no, no. I'm sure he'd be, he's fine with a shout out. Uh, yeah, so he kind of had a panic attack on set and said he was done for the night. And yeah. so he ran back to the car in the direction of the hogs. And we were still gathering all of our equipment. And yeah. so we're walking back and we're trying to spot the hogs, yeah. which we could hear him splashing in the river right yeah. underneath us. Yeah. And so it was really freaky. And he starts screaming at Mikey to run. And so I think he climbs on top of the car he yeah, he while he was waiting on her to come back. Yeah. And then we got back to the cars. I was like, you guys, I guess we're done for the night. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we, we didn't wait. We didn't. See as soon it. as one of our actors is on top of the car, yeah, we like, gotta yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're done for the night. Yeah. So the next week, a week later, we we had someone on hog duty. It was JoJo mm. again, but he yeah. had, he came strapped. He came with that MF thing, <laughs> and he has little like little nine millimeter pistol, just like ready to go in case. One of those, uh, one of those hogs yeah. tried to that get is in our movie. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So he's officially on hog duty for that movie. Uh, one of the weird things that happened, another weird thing that happened was we were shooting one of our <gasps> scenes by the cars. We have like this really powerful light mm. lighting up the scene and we we're, I think it was a red light. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck is that? And so we look up at the trees and we literally see the trees waving back yeah. and forth. And I was like, what is happening? And then I'm looking and I see a light just come right over the, the horizon of the trees. A helicopter comes flying. Straight up a spotlight down on us yes. while we're filming. And so they so, fly slowly wow. over us. And it's like one of those military helicopters. It's like, like a We have hog. no idea what this thing is doing. But it flies maybe 50 feet above us. Spotlight directly on top of us. And Okay. It doesn't just <laughs> fly over us. It flies over us. Hovers. Yes. For like hovers. a good... Like minute, probably two minutes. a whole minute or two. Dude, yeah. nope. And yeah, we're like, right? What yeah, is happening? And I literally say, I know too much. <laughs> I don't know about what, but it's about. I know too much about something. I don't know. Probably UFOs. And I was like, they're they're coming for me. Dude. And well, we literally just wave at them and like we point at our cameras. We're like, we're shooting a movie, yeah. man. We don't need help. I don't yeah. know what you think we're doing over here. I don't. I don't know what. I don't. I don't. I tried to figure out. I don't know why. Okay, Dude. so I I vaguely remember. Okay, so we shot the old Alton Bridge, okay. which is about fifteen miles south of Lexington Prison, oh. and I did hear that a prisoner had escaped. So maybe they thought that we were, I don't know, har harboring a yeah, har prisoner, harboring a fugitive or whatever. I don't know. What did they think that? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. They were, well, hey, they were at the wrong movie <laughs> yeah, because that yeah, was the next yeah. one that we shot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, dude. God. Well, so there's people with cameras down there. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Clearly they that have. That had to be it. Because, like, why is there a helicopter around here? Or why? It was who, so weird. Why would any of Why would... I like that they didn't give you a heads up or anything. No, there's no. They were just, like... They, like, hovered over you and they were like, we'll put the spotlight on them. We're not, like... This definitely has a speaker system on it. Yeah, We're not right? going to tell them what's yeah. going on. We'll we'll just see if just they get attacked by a by an escaped convict. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the rest of the night, I was just like, any minute the cops are going to pull up here just mm -hmm. and just shut us down. Yeah, and since I was the director, I was like, and I'm going to have to be the one to explain what we're doing yeah. and all this crap. Yeah. So, um, also uh, one of the weird things that happened. Is that we use a real fire, real gas lantern, 
and I don't, I've never used a gas lantern before, a kerosene lantern. And so I just assumed you, you fill it with gas, you light the wick, and then it's good to go for the night. I didn't know that you can't yeah, have like it on cloth, for too long. Cloth ribbon wick. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. you have to install it the correct way and stuff like yeah. that. And so we put it together, but none of us had done it before. And I watched some YouTube beforehand, but I was like, this doesn't seem right. The thing is like, it's, I don't know, like the flame is too big. It's the black, the, the, the side of the glass is all black oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, so it was an, an yeah. Right. So it was very strange. And the whole night Jake was like, you guys, this is going to explode. I promise you it's going to explode. I'm like, dude, it's going to be fine. It's yeah. not going to explode. <laughs> and so literally at the end of that first night, he's like, you guys, I don't feel good about this lantern. I was like, we'll just go set it over there in the bridge. And he sets it down two minutes later. We are it explodes. <laughs> it didn't explode, but the glass yeah, definitely glass shattered. shattered yeah. I was like, hot. Yeah. holy crap. Yeah, and yeah. so the next night we ended up buying two of the lanterns and then alternating back and forth. We definitely did install everything correctly that time. And then Rachel figured out you have to bring them. Like you have to pull the thing up to vent them. And like, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we learned what not to do. Yeah, yeah. Also, using real flames, you know, a little dangerous. So maybe yeah. next time we'll do uh, regular flashlights again, regular mm-hmm. uh, electric lanterns yeah. because Air you know, less dangerous. Be more proactive and have an extinguisher on set that's true we should have yeah uh last i think the last thing about this curse production was the day that we were leaving oklahoma city to go Mm. down i get a text from our main actress and she says i'm having too much anxiety i i have to go home and she lives in texas she came all the way up from texas a real actress so she could be in our movie and then she got here two hours before we were leaving to go shoot she pulls out of the movie yeah which was the worst because i was like man this sucks and i immediately i was like well i mean we're gonna somebody's gonna have to step in to be that sibling and we'll just rewrite it it'll be brothers orin or i can play the actor or whatever and then mikey who has a rolodex full of people who are just super talented (laughs) she was like let me text some people and then within 10 minutes she's like i found an actress and i was like what i was like well i guess we're still doing this thing yeah and one a neighbor across the street, Kylie, shout out. She came through, and she she read the script on the way down there and did a killer job. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, working with somebody that hasn't really acted before is it's a little difficult because you have to kind of portray everything in the exact way that you want it yeah. and not just let somebody just go at it. You know. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it took a little bit of patience directing somebody that has never acted and also doesn't know anything about the script except for you know reading it on the way there yeah so it was a learning experience it was very cool though it was it was a good experience she did a really good job despite yeah. everything yeah. yeah so we came through on the other end and we have a killer short film yeah and right now guys it is on the festival circuit mm-hmm. but it will be available online later this year i guarantee that um, can't tell you when right but, now you want to announce it a bit i mean Next time you can see it yeah. is at the Norman Film Festival. Norman Film Festival, Norman Film September eighth, ninth, and tenth. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So it's in another festival. Yeah, and then after that, I don't know if we're allowed to announce this, but heck it, <laughs> it will be showing at a Dead Center event at the Winchester Drive-In. Yep. What? Yeah, they're having they're having a big event on October sixth. But you didn't hear from exciting. us. Yeah, you didn't hear from us. Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Yeah. Nice. Um, it was a fun one. All right. 
Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or your podcast app of choice. You can find us on Instagram at the Skullcrawlers or on Twitter, which is brand new. We're still trying to figure that out. Um, at underscore Skullcrawlers. And you can find us. I had more. You can find us on YouTube by searching the Skullcrawlers Movie Club or going to bit.ly slash Skullcrawlers. Um, that's where you can find us. You can watch our movies, watch your shorts, watch yeah. your podcast. If you haven't showed somebody, you know, and recommend the show. Um, and as always sleep with one eye open because you never know who's watching. And thanks for wearing your brown pants. Yeah. That's our signature tagline. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>